Hello, this is Jeff Vanderstelt, Executive Director of Saturate and the host of the Saturate podcast. Saturate exists to serve and equip leaders to start and strengthen unified gospel city movements that lead to gospel saturation, to the end that every man, woman, and child has repeated opportunities to meet Jesus through his church, on mission, everywhere, and every day. We believe this will require, as Jesus prayed in John 17, that the church is unified in a region, collaborating together around five key initiatives, which we see in Acts 13 and 14, as Luke describes the kind of work that Paul did in establishing a church in a particular place and really planting the gospel in such a way that he could move on from that city Uh, and know that the work had been done uh, sufficiently. And those five initiatives are citywide prayer, leader health, that's just like strengthening uh, disciples to be strong leaders, disciple-making strategies, serving the city together, and starting new churches and kingdom initiatives. Now, we've been spending some time around the topic of prayer, uh, especially during this season of Lent, and uh, we realize that for many of us, and I think this is true of me, the tendency is to get busy doing the work and forget that the real work, the real heavy lifting is prayer, that God is ultimately the one who does the work that really lasts. Like Jesus said, if you abide in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. And I have to admit personally that I tend to move towards action. And I don't mean the action of prayer. I mean the action of obedience and, you know, teaching the word and spending time with people and working hard at disciple making, which is all really, really important. But in my own experience, I often move towards that before prayer. And if I'm not careful, I can even become almost like a functional atheist in the the way I do ministry, because I think uh, uh, it depends on me that I've got to do the work. And yet Jesus says, I will build my church. He's going to build the church. We, in our prayers, are partnering with the God of the universe, doing work that we can't accomplish by ourselves. And so I want to spend some time talking about my own personal journey in this uh, particular episode uh, in terms of my journey of prayer. And I want to preface what I'm going to share is this is descriptive. This isn't prescriptive. I'm not sharing what I'm sharing so I can say, hey, you should do what I did. This is just sharing some of my journey. And I think sometimes the story of how we engage in something can be encouraging and inspiring and instructive. Uh, With that said, I also want to share that I know that there are a lot of different faith backgrounds and theological um, convictions around around prayer and and more specifically around um, how the Spirit presently is at work today. So I'm going to share some things in my own journey that maybe are a little different than uh, your own background or your own theological convictions, and that's okay. I, I hope that you'll give me the grace to share what where I'm at and what I've experienced, and and we may not we may not agree on everything, but I hope it's encouraging and helpful. You know, I I became a Christian uh, when I was 21. I actually grew up in a Christian home. Have um, been in the church in some way or another, participating with the church since I was very young, of course, because of my family. And uh, and I learned a lot, you know, um, good and bad. <laughs> uh, wonderful family. And I'm so thankful for my, my parents. 
and my brothers. But I didn't actually really experience my life change until I was 21, when Jesus really did pursue me and break in and awaken me to the presence of God and his kindness and grace in Jesus. And that was when I really surrendered my life to him and experienced the Spirit give me a, a new a new life, you know, a new spiritual life. And um, I got eventually out in Seattle. Uh, I found myself in Seattle at a, as a youth pastor right out of college. I'd, I'd grown up in Michigan, moved to Seattle in 1991. And a few years into my ministry, a young man who was a junior, I believe at the time in high school, who was also a part of our youth ministry, uh, informed me that his church, he was a part of another church, but also attended our youth ministry events. He informed me that his church was doing a thing around prayer. They were committing for a year to pray one hour every day. And they were using a book by Dick Eastman called The Hour That Changes the World. And in it, he takes the idea of an hour of prayer and he breaks it down into 25 minute segments to make it a little bit easier for people to learn how to pray. And each segment had a different theme. You know, it might've been praise or Thanksgiving or uh, supplication where we make our requests known to God or or listening prayer where we're, we're listening to the Spirit. There's a variety of, you know, confessions, variety of different prayers uh, or forms of prayer that um, you learn through this wheel of prayer, which is really, really helpful. I'd, in fact, I'd still encourage someone, if they were lear- wanting to learn how to pray and grow in prayer, I think it's a really helpful tool. And you may even be able to just find the wheel online if you look it up. But he he uh, shared that with me and encouraged me to join him. And uh, I yeah I don't know if it was the the pride of youth that said I don't want to be outprayed by this you know high school student. I hope it wasn't just that. Uh, I hope it was because I really wanted to grow in prayer. But uh, it spurred me on nonetheless. And I think sometimes that can happen when others can say, "Hey, let's do something together." And so he and I committed to do that. And it it was a a really great experience of growth in prayer for me. And uh, probably about three or four months into it, I remember being at a place where I was. You know, I think I think it was the time of praise, that section where I was praising God for who He is and and um, and all that I've seen and experienced um, in the Word about God as well as in my own life. And I remember saying in my prayer time. God, I, I want to say so much more. I feel like I'm so limited in my words and in, even in the English language to tell you all that you are. And as soon as I said that, I started to pray in a different language. I, I grew up, frankly, um, not believing that kind of stuff happened. Uh, that was kind of my background, that this idea of speaking, you know, praying or speaking in another tongue or another language was not something that happened anymore. Uh, even though we, you know, we read about it in the scriptures, I, I, had, I had concluded that that stopped after, uh, the, after the, the formal Bible was put into place. Um, I don't believe that anymore, uh, and some of you may believe that, and that's okay. Uh, but this was something I didn't expect. This is something I didn't ask for necessarily, even though I was asking for the ability to pray more and give more expression to my heart's uh, desire to praise God. I don't think I expected it to happen that way, but it did. And I began to recognize I'm praying in a discernible language. I mean, it had real words and real sentence structure and uh, and so I continued. And there was something about that moment that was so instructive for me. And I think the key there for me was that 
I realized that God wanted me to trust him, not just in the ministry and the work that I do, but even in how I pray. You know, there's a place in the scriptures that says that the spirit can intercede on our behalf with, with like, uh, words and groanings that we, we don't even know what they are. Like we, we, we we're trying to exert or st- state what we really want or what we want to express to God. And we, we often don't even have the words and the spirit can intercede. And in that sense, we partner in prayer with God and uh, we experience a, co- a kind of communion in our prayer life where it's not just us praying, but it's God helping us to pray. And th- this was a significant time for me because I experienced God do something I didn't expect and do for me something I couldn't do. And I, that that did change my prayer life. I began to believe that prayer wasn't just a form of me expressing my requests or ideas to God in conversation, but that it was also a means by which God and I commune, by which God can empower and through which God can accomplish work in and through my life that I couldn't do apart from him. Shortly after that experience, there was a woman who lived down the street from Janie and I who was pregnant and had a history of miscarrying. And in this particular day and moment, she was uh, starting to bleed. And uh, she became very afraid again that she would lose lose another baby. And she cried out to God and she informed us that the next thought that came to her mind is that she needed to walk down the street to our house and ask for me to pray for her. And I, I, so she knocks on our door and here she is and she explains this to me. And I, you know, in this newfound um, experience of God and I communing in prayer and God doing a powerful work that I could have never imagined was possible before, I had the faith and the courage to pray for her healing. And I asked if I could put place my hand on her belly and pray over this child inside of her and over her body. And as I prayed, uh, the bleeding stopped. And uh, and she recognized that. She even told me, like, I, something is changing, something is happening. And she could identify that through the prayer, uh, her body was uh, being affected. And her so was her baby. And praise God, she went on to deliver a healthy baby. And um, I'm sure this is still part of her journey and story of God answering that prayer of healing. Well, this put me on a bit of a course of readiness. You know, just like, God, whatever you want, whenever you want it, I want to join you in it. And I trust you can do more than I could imagine. And I'm going to pray uh, with that in mind. There were actually a group of us who started to pray together regularly, learning how to listen to God, inviting God to speak to our hearts, um, and then even bringing up opportunities to pray for God to move in miraculous ways. And that was a season of significant growth in my own prayer life. We happened to, uh, uh, shortly after some of these experiences, go on a mission trip to Mexico. We took a bunch of our students and did the things that, you know, you typically do on one of those trips where you're, you know, working on buildings and you're playing sports with kids and you're, you know, teaching the scriptures and sharing the gospel. And one particular night we were going to have a meeting and uh, there were people invited and I was going to be speaking and sharing some of my story and sharing the gospel. It was an outside meeting. And, um, we were praying together before the meeting and then we stopped praying and we're getting ready, you know, for people to start coming. And this young girl walks up to me. Well, she, she's on crutches. So she's, you know, coming with crutches toward me and, and points to her leg and as best as she can to ask me to pray for her. 
pray for her healing. And so I, I reached down and put my hand around her calf. And it was clear that um, there was something wrong. It was like her muscle was in like detached from the lower part of her leg. And, uh, but it was there, it was kind of like in a ball, but I could feel muscle and then no muscle, just bone and, and, and the flesh and around the bone. And I began to pray. And as I prayed, the muscle moved and it reattached while I was praying. (laughs) I was honestly surprised and a little bit taken aback that this was happening, but it happened. And, um, and you know, she's celebrating. She's able to walk again. My wife, when I uh, tell her, that when we re- rehearsed this story again, she said she remembered right around that time, there was like a rushing wind that, that was blowing into the space that we were meeting in. And I know if you're listening to this, you're going like, gosh, that sounds like Acts too. And it really, it really was like that situation. It was a profound experience. And we, we, uh, began with some singing and the, the meeting time that is. And I got up to speak and I typically would get up and speak in English. And the, the person who was with me uh, who was translating would then translate into Spanish. And, and I know some Spanish because I lived in Spain and I, I learned it. So just, just to be clear, like, it's not like I didn't know any Spanish, but I'd never preached in Spanish. That's a diff- very different vocabulary than what you learn, you know, when you're learning your basic vocabulary uh, in Spanish. And and so I'm I'm speaking and she sits down and I, and I look at her. I'm like, why are you sitting down? And she said, because you're preaching in Spanish. And it was like the words were just there. Similar to my prayer life, now I had this ability to just in this moment, this doesn't happen a lot of times. This just happened in that moment. All of a sudden I'm speaking very fluently and preaching in Spanish. And it was clear that the Spirit was doing that work. As a result of my preaching that night, several people came forward and responded to the gospel. It was a pretty remarkable time of just seeing God's power worked out through our own prayer time, expressed in a healing, an ability to enable me to preach in a way I couldn't have apart from the Spirit, which led to a very clear demonstration that God was at work that night. And the gospel that I preached was not just with words, but with a clear example of the power of God. And so that that was one season of prayer. You know, I had the prayer wheel where I was learning how to pray in a much more structured format. And then I had this experience with the Spirit empowering me to pray And uh, that really did transform my prayer life in so many different ways because I learned a communion. I learned an intimacy. I learned an empowering presence uh, that God's powerful presence is with us. And in prayer, we're we're becoming aware of it. He's with us all the time. That's one thing I want to make sure is really clear. It's not the, the we bring God into a space. It's that God is in the space. But in our prayer life and in our acknowledgement of our need for him, we can experience not only his presence, but his empowerment uh, for our life, for ministry, for him to do even the miraculous works through us. And so that was kind of a second stage in my journey of prayer. So that's some of the early journey of my prayer life. And, uh, you know, over time, um, we didn't always see those things happen. Just want to be clear. I didn't become a healer, but I do believe that God gave the manifestation of the Holy Spirit to empower us to pray for people to be healed. And uh, over the years, we have seen 
more people healed. And we've seen God do those kinds of work through our prayer. So that's uh, kind of the second part of my journey is realizing that God wants to enable us in our prayer life to not only be more intimately involved in our prayers with him, but also to be empowered through our prayers to see him work in miraculous ways. Over the years, I continued to grow in those particular ways of praying, but I also began to journal my prayers a lot more. I I found that to be a really helpful way for me to uh, get out of my heart what was inside. And so I began to journal my prayers. I would write them out, and it would allow me to then go back and even see how I had been growing in prayer and also pay attention to how God had answered prayers. So I have a stack of journals that have years and years and years of prayers in them. Often I will go back and read them to kind of reignite or uh, rekindle my faith when I'm in seasons where there feels like a drought or a dark night of the soul. And those uh, those prayer journals uh, continue to be a great encouragement for me uh, in terms of being able to see what God has done and is doing through my prayer life. Some of you know that I went through a really, really dark night of the soul back in 2020, and this is pre-COVID, in 2019, November 14th, my best friend who was a child, like a a son in the faith to me, um, his name is Randy Sheets, took his life. I happened to be in the Tokyo airport when I got the news, and uh, I just went into shock. It was such a traumatic moment. And I got home, and of course, we went through all the things you do when you're um, meeting with people who have lost somebody. Uh, we, we spent quite a bit of time with Lisa, Randy's wife. Uh, we met with a lot of people in the church. Eventually, we had a memorial service for him, um, and like a thousand plus people packed out this church building. And uh and then I, you know, I kind of got through all that and my elders uh, met with me and said, hey, it'd probably be good for you to take a break. And so we took a little bit of time off just to, to grieve. And um, I didn't just grieve. I went into a pretty dark space. I, uh, I questioned so much. I have to be honest and say that like it, I, I wondered if any of what I'd been doing for uh, the previous uh 30 plus years was even worth it. Um, just didn't know if this is how it it ends when you pour your life into somebody and you believe you're making disciples uh, when this kind of thing happens, at least for me, it it rocked it rocked my world and it it definitely shook me at the foundational level of my faith. Now thankfully, the foundation didn't crack. The foundation was strong enough to handle. Uh, this uh, pain and this loss, this deep sadness, um, the anger, the hurt, uh, even some of the guilt that I felt. And I I did go into about three or four months of uh, what now I know when people talk about the dark night of the soul, what they mean. It really was that for me. I, I don't know if I've ever experienced greater darkness I don't know if I've ever experienced greater temptation. Some of the thoughts that I had and the ideas that ruminated in my mind are things that 
I would have never imagined I would think or ever believed I would have considered. And yet here I was thinking thoughts I've never had, contemplating ideas I never would have thought of, even beginning to imagine what it would look like to do things that are very broken. Now, thankfully, I didn't uh, act on any of those. Uh, I'm thankful that God really kept me and held me and protected me from what would have been really, really destructive things if I would have acted on them. And during that season, my prayer life changed quite a bit. You know, it's interesting on a previous episode that my wife and I were on together, I shared how she had uh, in the past told me that she wondered if I ever felt safe to be truly honest with God in prayer. And I, I have to admit that it wasn't until this season that I got really raw with God. I would say this is when I learned how to pray like the Psalms, like the psalmist pray. In fact, I spent most of 2020 only in the Psalms. It's about the only thing I could read in Scripture that enabled me to be honest with God. And I spent a lot of time in the, the Psalms of lament uh, and, and the Psalms um, where, you know, the psalmist is crying out to God against evil, questioning even God's activity uh, in seemingly blessing what looks like evil, though he doesn't, but uh, the psalmist was really honest about their, you know, his experience. And I, I began to learn how to tell God the truth about where I was at, about what I was thinking, about what I was believing or not believing in the rawest form I've ever uh, engaged in. It was, uh, I would have to say at, at first I had uh, a fear and you know, I think the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but this is more like a fear that God wouldn't be okay with me being honest. It was a, a fear to show up and tell him the truth about what was going on in me. But what I loved about the Psalms is they gave me permission and language to tell God the truth about what I was experiencing. I told God I was angry. I told God I, I, had a, I was having a hard time believing and trusting in him. I told God I didn't get it. Why would he let this happen? Why would he not stop it? And I just poured out my heart, my anger, my fear, my doubts, my insecurities, uh, my guilt, even feeling like, what did I do? What could I have done to prevent this? And it was during that season where... I think I showed up more honestly with God than I ever have in my life. I don't know that I liked it all the time. Uh, I don't know that I even wanted at times to talk to God, but I couldn't help just pouring it out. And there were some days when I didn't talk at all. I just was like, I can't talk to you right now. I know you're there. I don't want to talk to you right now. And I know that God was so kind and so patient and so available and so attentive to whatever I was saying. And he, he became a refuge in a way I'd never understood that word refuge. He became a true shelter where I could hide in the shadow of his wings with all of the grotesque nature of what was going on inside of me 
And I came to understand a God who truly sees and sees me for who I really am and notices what I'm really going through, and he still really loves me. In fact, I, I journeyed through David Banner's trilogy, The Gift of Being Yourself, Surrender to Love, and Pursuing God's Will. Those are three books. And during that season, I learned how to accept the truth that God loves the present version of me just as much as he loves the future fully sanctified version of me. And I don't know that I really deep down believe that. I, I would have said it. I would have preached it. I have even written about those kinds of things. But there was something in that season of darkness and doubt and pain and loss and suffering where I faced the truth about myself in ways I never had, wondered if I was lovable, and came to experience as I showed up with all my rawness that God really did love that person. He did love me right where I was at. And he saw me, and he heard me, and he attended to me, and he healed me. And he's still healing me. And that journey of prayer has radically transformed how I show up with God in prayer. I'm more honest. I'm more raw. I'm more real. And I'm more present with God because the real me is showing up more and more. I, I know God heard me before, but I do look back on much of my prayer life, and there was a lot of it that was presentational, a lot of it that was potentially even performance-based. And I know that I had a relationship with God, but what I have now is significantly different than what I had before. And I would not have chosen what I went through, but I would not trade where I'm at because my ability to show up with truthful honesty, full-hearted expression before God is, is radically different than before. So that's where I'm at today. And, and then the last couple years after getting through some of that dark night of the soul, and it it really was a, a, about a year or more uh, process, I, I grew in my ability to not only show up with what is real and true in me through my prayers, but also to show up with my emotions. In particular, I've learned to do a feeling check-in where uh, I will start my time with the Lord in prayer and reading his word in my journal, and I'll just start with a feeling check-in. And, and it really is me saying, here's where I'm actually at. It's, you know, in Genesis 3, and I referred to this in a previous podcast, God asked Adam, where are you? The answer that Adam gives is, I was afraid. He, he answers with an emotion. And then he talks about the fact that in his fear, instead of feeling it and realizing his need for God's help and protection, he actually ran away from God. So instead of feeling his fear and experiencing what we would say is the fear of the Lord, uh, which is, wow, what I'm facing is big, but God is bigger than what I'm facing. And so my awe of God will lead me to run to God and get not only faith in God to help me, but also wisdom from God to navigate what I'm going to walk through. And 
Adam didn't do that, but then God still meets him. He pursues him and he invites Adam to locate himself through his feelings. And of course, Jesus later in the Sermon on the Mount starts with the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, for there's the kingdom. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And Jesus, of course, is the the fullest expression of a human who knows to show up with the Father through his emotions, whether it's his sadness or his anger or his fear of facing the cross and crying out to the Father, see if there's another way than, than this, this particular cup that I have. But Jesus shows up fully through his emotions and makes his needs known to the Father. So uh, what I've been learning to do in this last year or so, maybe a couple years, is start my time off uh, in you know prayer and reading the Bible with a feeling check-in. And it's another way of me saying, Holy Spirit, help me to locate myself. You, if you were to ask me, Jeff, where are you? I'm going to... I'm going to tell you where I'm at, Father, through my feelings. And we use eight primary emotions uh, and just show up with with one or more of those. And usually for me, it's like four or five of them, sometimes even more, depending on the day or the situation. But I will actually, in my journal, write check-in, and then I'll write down the feelings I'm having. Sad, lonely, hurt, shame, guilt, anger gladness, lonely, whatever it may be. I write down one or more of them, and it's almost more than one every day when I do this feeling check-in. And then after I write them down, it's my way of saying, here I am. This is what I'm experiencing. This is where I'm at. I want to show up fully with you, God, in my time of prayer. And usually the next thing I'll do is I'll spend some time writing more about how each a feeling is connected to a situation or a belief or a circumstance that I'm presently experiencing or going through, whether it's, uh, God, I have fear right now around the future in terms of provision and maybe some, you know, potential challenges I'm going to have to face, or I feel sadness over some loss of of friendship or loss of uh, opportunity, or I've got, I feel very lonely right now. Like I, I don't know, I, I'm really hungry for friendship. Uh, but whatever it is, I'll, I'll express the feeling and then I'll spend some time talking to God about that feeling because that feeling is my way of expressing my neediness for God and for others. And so that turns, moves me from a check in to an expression of need to an articulation to God of what that need is and inviting him to be the one who can meet that need or provide a means to meet that need in a way that he knows is best for me. And so that's been the more recent way in which uh, my prayer life has grown. It's being able to show up in with a, the real me, but in particular to do it through my emotions, which make me needy for God and his provision in my life. So those are some of the journeys that I've been through. Started with the prayer wheel years ago. God grew my understanding of prayer through more of the charismatic expressions of the Spirit empowering me uh, in unique ways. And then writing my prayers out so I could reflect back over the years. Moving into the dark night of soul where the Psalms became my prayer manual. And then more recently, learning how to show up honestly and in a place of need through my uh, emotions.
I hope this encourages you. I hope this helps you. If you would like to learn more uh, about prayer, we offer a lot of different resources at saturatetheworld.com through our online subscription. It's kind of like a Netflix uh, membership. Uh, if you haven't checked that out, I encourage you to check it out. In fact, uh, we'd love to give you a two-week free membership trial just by using the coupon PODCAST2023. Um, that's all lowercase letters, no spaces. So PODCAST2023. Uh, and you can put that in when you uh, sign up and there'll be an opportunity for you to put that code in there. That'll give you unlimited access to hundreds of resources available uh, in our membership. And if you choose to continue the membership because it serves you and it helped you, if you actually uh, stay on with us and pay for a monthly subscription, that also gives a free subscription to somebody in the world who can't afford it. And we'd love to help more and more people get more resources. Also, if you'd like to just ask us questions or reach out to see if you could receive help in your own ministry or your own discipleship journey, uh, you can send an email to hello at saturatetheworld.com. And that will give you an opportunity for us to reach out and serve you in any way possible. And then finally, if you want to partner with us, uh, you can also uh, send us a, an email at hello at saturatetheworld.com. And we're looking for people who want to partner in prayer and just pray regularly for the needs that we have or even financially give to support our work. If you want to do that, you can go to saturatetheworld.com and then click on give. and It'll tell you what to do to take next steps to support the work of Saturate the World. Thank you for being with us. I hope it was an encouragement and a blessing to you.